0: Welcome to Big Business Insights, the old mutual corporate podcast where we discuss human capital and benefit issues that concern all businesses, from up-and-coming companies to established corporate enterprises. Each episode focuses on one topic to bring you insights and help you make informed decisions for your business, your employees, and yourself. You're back with me, Maru Sinjovo, and we are continuing our talk on pension fund investments, and Saving for Retirement with our Mutual's Fred van der de Hi, Fred. Hello, Lucy. It's nice to be here again. Great. So, risk sharing is important yep. in retirement funds because it allows you to take a lot of risk in the long run for each member while also ensuring that the outcomes are as consistent as possible. What is the role of smooth bonus funds in this risk sharing?
1: Yeah, I think if I can maybe just start off by explaining what we mean by risk sharing, because risk sharing is simply a very effective risk management tool that we already apply in so many other areas of our lives that we recognize we have risk. Health insurance is a good example, and medical aid is one big risk sharing scheme where you share the risk of unexpected high medical costs with all the other members in the scheme. Similarly, if you think about it, car insurance is risk sharing because you share the risk of financial loss or damage on your car with everybody else that that buys car insurance. So risk sharing in the retirement context is effectively sharing the risk that markets are down at the point when you need to draw from your retirement savings we all know markets go up and down so the risks that markets are down is not really the risk we need to be worried about the risk we need to be worried about is that the risk that markets are down when i retire Mm. or when i get retrenched and need to use some of those some of those savings and so in, the, in, in that context, smooth bonus portfolios are designed to facilitate that risk sharing. In a smooth bonus portfolio, we invest in the underlying portfolio in risky growth assets that goes up and down like any other typical market-linked balance fund would do. But then we declare a smoother return. We smooth out the returns so that at any point in time, the benefit that you get from the smooth bonus fund is either higher or lower than the actual underlying market value. And so if you think about it, what we are doing is we are facilitating a scheme mm. whereby all the investors in that fund share with one another the risk that markets are down when they need to draw on their, on their savings.
0: Sure, that's very interesting. I imagine for this to work, you need quite a lot of people to be sharing that risk. Otherwise, it's not going to work very well if it's just you and I because if I claim I'm going to deplete the entire pool of savings or if you claim you deplete the entire pool, how does this relate to size? Exactly. Um, I mean,
1: we we can easily think about it in the medical aid um, scheme. If you only have three people in there and the one person needs a very expensive medical procedure, the premiums of the other two is going to go through the roof and so in the same way to optimally facilitate risk sharing in a smooth bonus fund you need what we call critical mass mm. and diversity mm. of your your portfolio and so ideally what you want is you want a large amount of investors or members from a retirement fund investing in this portfolio that are distributed across the industry from different companies and different industries that will be affected in different ways by economic events and also distributed across the age spectrum so that you don't have everybody retiring at the same time. Yeah. And so while we all appreciate the value of smoothing, we also recognize that it's not very easy to do it optimally. You need critical mass. You need to have a large diversified book and then it almost becomes like a snowball effect where The momentum builds and you end up in a very well-run, established smooth bonus portfolio.
0: You know, as you're talking, Fred, it sounds a lot like the old defined benefit world in some sense. I Mm. know it's not exactly like that. Mm. How is this different or the same to Mm. the defined benefits world of retirement funds Mm. and compared to the defined contribution world of retirement Mm. funds, which we are going into
1: it is the same while also being very
0: different. And let me let me maybe explain that in this
1: way. I love history um, when it comes to the history of our industry mm-hmm. and how things developed. So if you will indulge me for a moment, back in the 80s, the predominant way of providing for people's future income needs in a pension fund or retirement system was through what was called defined benefit retirement funds. And effectively what a defined benefit retirement fund was, was that you worked for a company, the company paid your salary to provide for your monthly income needs, but at the same time contributions were made that then guaranteed you a certain income when you retire on a fixed formula based on years of service Mm -hmm. or years of contribution. Hence the
0: name defined benefit. The benefit was defined.
1: As long as you contribute for the period of your active working life, your benefit was defined. Now, how did they achieve that defined benefit outcome? It was by investing appropriately in assets that deliver sufficient amount of returns but then managing that risk. Mm. Because even though the benefit was defined, the underlying investments were still volatile. And so what it effectively resulted in was the principle of sharing investment risk amongst all the members of a defined benefit fund, as well as an employer coming and providing an ultimate guarantor of last resort, if we Mm. can put it that way, by Mm. guaranteeing that benefit. For various reasons that we don't have time in this discussion to go into, there were problems with the fine benefit funds. I'm not saying you know it was the silver bullet. You know, for one, the liability that that guarantee placed on an employer's balance sheet was highly problematic um, and could sometimes dwarf their financial results or completely skew the financial results because of the need to provide for that future liability. And so, for that and many other reasons. In the industry, we saw a shift towards what we now know as the predominant way of saving for retirement, which is defined contribution funds. Mm -hmm. And so while the difference seems subtle, the implications of that shift was quite significant because what we moved to was a system where Mm -hmm. there was no guarantee of the outcome. The only thing that was defined was that we were contributing a certain amount of your salary every month. And even that is not guaranteed because people can choose what level they need to contribute, Mm. which is a a challenge and a conversation for a different day. Another podcast. Exactly. Um, Mm. But the reality is, if you think about it, what happened in the shift from defined benefit to defined contribution funds is that we're in a defined contribution space in the – in the, in, the, in the predominant way that it's being applied in South Africa um, is that all the investment risk and in many cases also all the longevity risk, the risk of living longer than, than the average person out there has been shifted onto each individual. And so what that means is each individual now bears the risk of markets being down when they need to draw their money and each individual bears the risk of living longer and outliving their savings. Mm. And that has resulted in highly volatile outcomes. It's resulted in a situation where people may save for a very long time a significant amount, but there's no guarantee in the outcome. Yeah, It sounds obvious, but do we sometimes pause and think about what does that do for the original intent? Mm. The original intent was secure a future income need. And in the context of what companies want to provide their employees with, a value proposition is, I not only secure your current income needs, but I also provide you with an employee benefits package that secures your future needs. Mm, mm. But if we design it in a system where all the risk is shifted onto the member, there is no security. You know, It's a gamble,
0: so mm. to speak. Um, due to factors outside your control. Mm. The member may as well just invest on their own in an individual arrangement and they would get identical outcomes. Yeah, philosophically
1: correct. Yes, there may be some fee experience differences, etc. But the point is, if you only save in your own capacity and you don't share risk with other members that have the same investment objective your outcome is highly dependent on factors completely outside your control mm, mm. and those factors being what is happening in the world at the time when you need to draw your money mm. and when you need to use that money to provide for your needs and so all of us can just think about you know numerous examples of things happening completely outside our control the war in ukraine the covid pandemic um, but even before that the the economic crises we've had to endure in South Africa, the impact of Nenegate, the, mm-hmm. the, the the electricity crisis we have, all those things are not in our control, yet they have a very material impact on our retirement income one mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. You, you, you want to find a way to protect members from those factors that are outside their control. Mm.
0: And that's where the smooth bonus funds come in and they really try to balance that. Yeah. What has been the trend internationally in relation to yeah. the, the way that these outcomes are being managed? Yeah. I think before we talk about trends, I'll maybe just
1: say what is happening currently. Um, and I don't want to over-dramatize this, but I think we are in for a rude awakening in the sense that You know, as we shifted from defined benefit to defined contribution funds, not many people fully appreciate the implications of that. That's right. You know, so many times you speak to somebody on the street and you ask them, do you have a secure retirement plan in place? And they go, yeah, I work for a company. I've got a pension fund. And that's where the the response stops. Mm. If you then dig in, you realize that he's a member of a defined contribution fund and is invested in highly volatile assets and there's no security that he's going to have enough. And so in South Africa, but also internationally, we have seen significantly variable outcomes. Uh, a very interesting paper was written by a large consultancy in the UK where they've looked at the outcomes of defined contribution funds Um, over the years and they found that purely based on when you retired, your outcome could have been affected by more than 50% because of movements in equity markets and the cost of annuities that you buy. So you could say that in a pure defined contribution system, internationally, there's a recognition that the outcome is more dependent on the timing rather than the behavior of the
0: member. That is scary. It is. It is. So you save for 20, 30 years of your life and then by virtue of the accident of when you uh, take the money out and retire, you could be impacted by as much yeah. as 50%. Yeah. They looked at, and, and if you just think about it,
1: there was a time when equity markets ran strongly and delivered very good returns in the 1990s and maybe early 2000s. And then there was a period of time when equity markets came down But at the same time, bond yields came down as well. And what that means was the cost of securing an income for the rest of your life went up. Mm. And where those two met resulted in very, very volatile outcomes. And so, yes, we can understand the mathematics behind it and we can explain it. But that doesn't help with getting people to have confidence in the system. Mm. Because ultimately what you want to do is you are competing with people's immediate consumption needs. If you if you are thinking about, you know, trying to get people to engage and actively save for the retirement. And if you ask a person to save 15% of his salary and you really try and engage that member around doing everything in that member's control, cut your monthly expenses, cut your cost of living to be able to save for the long term. But then you play to that member as he does that, the volatility in his projected outcome and ultimately in his actual outcome, what does that do for confidence and engagement and anxiety Mm. and the ability for that member to then focus on their job at hand? And so this is where we're seeing internationally a recognition that the move to define contribution fund and shifting all the investment and longevity risk onto members – results in volatile outcomes that negates the original intention. And so internationally people are starting to study what are the unique features of some of the best pension systems around the world. And people would maybe be surprised to find that some of the best systems around the world are systems designed by countries like the Netherlands and the Nordic countries and to some extent Canadian systems. And while there are many differences, there's a common thread in that those highly successful pension systems all use some element of risk sharing to manage the risk rather than risk avoidance. And and that is where we are seeing the world go, is to say, can we find some middle ground mm. between defined benefit and defined contribution funds? Not go all the way back to defined benefit funds where an employer needs to guarantee your pension and all the, the issues around that, but at least not throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know, and at least retain some of those well-established risk management principles of risk sharing. Mm. Um, and so… The UK, for one, is now legislating what they call collective defined contribution funds, which is a third category of fund that sits somewhere between a defined benefit and a defined contribution fund. And essentially what that is, is allowing smoothing of investment returns within a defined contribution construct.
0: And if you think about that, it just makes a lot of logical sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the countries that you spoke about, I imagine a lot of what they're doing is at a national level using the national fund maybe or even industry funds which are which are mm. quite big. Yeah. How, how can one move closer to uh, replicating that in South Africa yeah. given that we don't have a national fund and I, I certainly yeah. don't think we will have any time soon. Yeah. How can we do so with our existing retirement fund environment?
1: Yeah, and Maybe let me just go back to that it's not just in national funds of these developed countries that they use risk sharing it is also in employer-based privatized funds like we have in South Africa what is interesting is that they would then share the investment risk amongst all the employees of a specific company Mm. or group of associated companies and if you think about that it would be like the pension fund of a very large employer in South Africa as well. Mm, mm. So they would design what is then called a collective defined contribution fund that smooths the returns amongst the 15,000 employees of a large company. I think the most current example is the Royal Mail in the UK is a very, very large company um, with thousands of employees and they've created their own collective defined contribution scheme, which is the contribution fund in the sense that there's no guarantee around your benefits, Mm. but at least they share the risk. In the South African context, we can actually provide an even better solution in the sense that we allow for multi-employers, multiple employers to join what is known as a commercial umbrella fund, and in setting a default investment strategy for all those employers – we can then facilitate risk sharing, not just between members of a specific company, but risk sharing between members across industries mm. and across companies by way of them all investing in the same portfolio. And that's precisely what we're doing in our smooth bonus fund as the default investment strategy on Superfund. So, you know, in a way, what we've been doing in Superfund for many years already and continue to see as the most optimal way of investing retirement savings, as a default, is building a very large
0: collective defined contribution fund mm. across employers mm. and, and 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 members in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Size matters, diversity ma- matters, yeah. and you're able to achieve that in these large open multi-employer umbrella funds. Yeah,
1: because if you think about it. in in, in the way that they do in the UK at the moment by designing a collective defined contribution fund per large employer, that is only really available as an option for very large companies. Whereas the way we do it in South Africa, if you share that risk at a portfolio level, like what we're doing, you can allow small or medium-sized employers to also participate in that risk sharing with other employers in the same way which is actually even better and that allows for more consistent outcomes um, amongst members.
0: I want to touch on the role of guarantees within these smooth bonus funds, Mm. uh, Fred Mm. because they also have guarantees as well which provide an extra layer of protection. How do guarantees play a role within the funds? Yeah. Yeah, That's a very good question and sometimes a bit controversial
1: but... Let me go back to defined benefit funds first. So we, we we discussed that there was risk sharing happening, but one of the the problems with a defined benefit fund that only facilitated risk sharing was if things go wrong, how do you still maintain the ability to pay that defined benefit? Mm. And that's where the employer had to step in and provide that guarantee. And in some cases, it was a very own risk guarantee. But there's a recognition that risk sharing facilitates risk sharing amongst a group of, you know, investors or members. But if things go very wrong and stay wrong for a long period of time, there's a finite limit to the extent to which members can support one another if things continue to go wrong. And therefore, you need a guarantee mm. of last resort. Mm. That was the employer in a DB fund. And so I briefly discussed that the collective defined contribution schemes that are being you know, designed internationally and being rolled out in the UK, while that facilitates risk sharing, there's still no guarantee. You have smoother outcomes, but the outcomes are not guaranteed. In our context, we use risk sharing in our smooth bonus portfolios through the smoothing But in the same way as a DB fund guaranteed benefits at an absolute minimum level, we do provide fixed guarantees in addition. And instead of each employer having to provide that guarantee, the insurance company provides Mm. that guarantee. Mm. And it provides the facility to say, if things go bad, and I mean really bad, and they stay bad for 5, 10, 15 years, there's a place where the insurance company would come in and also chip in money to support those benefit payments out of the system, which is highly valuable if you think about it. So often people argue that, yes, is there really a value in the guarantee because markets go up and eventually or markets go down and they will go up again. But we so easily lose sight of you know situations around the world. And the classic example is Japan, but it's not only Japan where you can have a severe downturn in your investment markets in general without an immediate recovery thereafter. Mm, mm. And if that period extends for a number of years, there's a possibility that even risk sharing will not be good enough to maintain benefits. And that's really where, where the guarantee becomes highly valuable.
0: Thanks, Fred. This is fascinating as always. We can uh, spend a lot of time talking about this. Thank you very much for coming through. Thank you, Melissa. I really enjoyed it. I've been talking to Fred van der Feiffer. He's the head of Old Mutual's Smooth Bonus Funds, as well as the head of Old Mutual's Superfund Umbrella, South Africa's largest open multi-employer retirement fund. Follow the Old Mutual Corporate Big Business Insights podcast and toggle on notifications to be alerted when a new episode is live. With more expert discussions aimed at making running your business just a little bit easier. To find out more about O Mutual Corporate, visit orbmutual.co.za forward slash corporate. Orb Mutual, do great things every day. Orb Mutual Life Assurance Company South Africa Limited is a licensed FSP and life insurer.